If you got your Bibles this morning, why don't you go meet uh, John's Gospel one more time. John's Gospel, chapter 14. Um, we've been looking at this passage for the last uh, two weeks, and so I want to go one more time there today. And if you remember, uh, Jesus had just told his disciples that he's about to leave and go away. And so he begins to encourage his disciples and let them know that he's got this. He's got them. And so we've already looked at where Jesus said, I'm the way. We said that Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only way to salvation. Uh, he is our way of life. And then last week we looked at I'm the truth. And we said that uh, Jesus is authentic. And you must know the truth. You must walk in the truth. And when you do, the truth's going to set you free. Amen. And so let's pick it up in uh, chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. And look what he says here. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And then Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so I want to look at this third statement of the I am that he makes here when he says, I am the life. And I believe this right here is going to be the most important one today because this is a very important thing for us to examine ourselves and see if we have life. Okay. Now there are three Greek words in the New Testament for life. Okay. The first one is bios. That's where we get our word biography, biology. And we see this word in 1 John 2 16 when John says, All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And so that is living, that is being breathing, okay? As I look around this room, every single one of us here, make sure, has bios right now. We are living, we are breathing. Now the second one is what we would say is suke, okay? And that is found in Matthew 16, 25, when Jesus says, whoever wants to save his life, will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That word is suke. It refers to the soul, okay? And so if you have bios, if you're living, then you've got suke. You've got a soul, okay? Every single one of us has bios. We have suke. We have a soul, but there's a third word for life, and this is the word that Jesus uses in John 14, verse 6, when he says, I am the life, and that word is zoe, okay? And the word zoe is spiritual life that only God can give. It is life that is real. It is life that is genuine. As a matter of fact, when John begins to introduce his gospel in John chapter 1, verse 4, he says this about Jesus. In him, that's Jesus, 
was Zoe, was life, and the life was the light of men. This is the same word that Jesus used in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said, the thief comes, but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. But he says, but I have come that they may have, not bios, not suke. He says, I've come that they can have zoe, they can have life, life that is real, life that is genuine, life that only God can give, and that you can have it more abundantly, okay? Now, let's say what he's not talking about when he says, I've come that you can have life. When Jesus says, I am the life. He's not talking about materialism, okay? He's not even talking about utopianism, which means that there's no problems in life. Everything is just hunky-dory, so to speak. Everything is just footloose and fancy. It's not what he's saying. He's not even saying it's sensationalism. In other words, he's not saying that he's going to make you some great star in this world. But what he is saying is he's going to give you life that is authentic, life that only God can give. And if you, if you study the, the New Testament, you realize that there's this question that often asked, what must we do to have Zoe? What must we do to have life? It's the same question that a man asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 19. Look at verse 16 in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal Zoe, life? What must I do? It's got to be something I can do. And let's look at this man just for a second, okay? Because when you look at him, you notice he has three things already that everyone wants, okay? He has three things that the world says you got to have to live, but yet he's still empty. What does he have? Well, first and foremost, we know from the scriptures in verse 22, he's rich, okay? He has a lot of possessions. He has a lot of things. He wasn't just barely making it. He wasn't middle class and had just enough for the week. No, he had more than enough. He had everything that he could want, but yet he was still incomplete. You realize you can have plenty of money, but that doesn't change the fact that you're still a sinner in need of a Savior. You're still a sinner in need of a Savior. See, Ecclesiastes says one who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor one who loves abundance with his income. See, money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. Money can buy you comfort, but it can't buy you peace. Money can buy you a lot of things, but it cannot get you Zoe. It cannot give you the life that only God can give. And so even though this man was rich, he still was missing something. But not only was this guy rich, he was also young. And how many knows that we, right now in our life, we are constantly looking for the fountain of youth, right? We're wanting to stay young. We're wanting to be young. Oh, if we can just do something to make ourselves look young, then we'll be happy. And so this man was rich. He was young. But it still didn't satisfy him. 
But the Bible says also, not only was he rich and he was young, but he had power. He was a ruler. Matter of fact, this is called the story of the rich, young ruler. He had power. He had authority. And so even though he had everything this world tells you that if you can get this, you'll be satisfied, there was something in his life that said, I am still missing something. And so he asked Jesus this question. Lord, what must I do to have Zoe? What must I do to have eternal life? And we know that Jesus told the young man, he said, you know the commandments. Keep the commandments. And Jesus begins to list the commandments. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Honor your father and mother. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this man looks at Jesus and says, Lord, he says, I've kept all of those ever since I was a young person. See, this man was self-deceived because even though he had thought and assumed that he had kept all the commands, he had broke the very first one, which says, you know, you must not have any other gods before me. Idolatry. How do we know this? Because Jesus looked inside this man's heart, and he said, if you really want to be perfect, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasures in heaven. Then you'll have Zoe. And the Bible says that this man, when he heard this, he became distraught, and he realized, I've got a lot of things, and I am not willing to give up those things in order to follow Jesus Christ. And so the problem wasn't that he had things. The problem was that the things had him, and those possessions were his God. And so you can have all those things and still not have Life. So you can fool yourself. You can go to church all your life and fool yourself and think, hey, I'm keeping all the things I need to do. That's what this man did. He said, I've kept everything since my youth. And he had missed the very first one. So you got to see yourself as you really are. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You realize this. He didn't say you were drowning. Think about it. He didn't say you were barely hanging on to that life raft, struggling. He didn't say any of those things. He said you were dead in your offenses and sins. That is the condition that every single one of us are born in. We are born dead in trespasses and in sins. Paul was said again in Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. He says, you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. And so if I was dead in my trespasses, if I was dead in my sins, I was hopeless. There was nothing I could do to get Zoe. But it doesn't just stop there. 
Paul was saying in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, after telling us we're dead, he says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, what did he do for us? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And so it wasn't what must I do to have eternal life. It was what must I believe in? Who must I trust to have eternal life? Because you can't do anything to get there except trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you on the cross of Calvary. See, Nicodemus also had a similar conversation with Jesus about Zoe. Now we know about Nicodemus is he's also a rich man, but he's also a religious man. He's also very respected among his peers. He's very educated. He has all those things that we look for, that we long for, but there was still something missing in his life. Oh, he had bios. He had suke. He had a soul. He, had, he was living. But he was still missing one ingredient. And so one night he went to Jesus looking for the answer. And then in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you're a religious man, but your religion will not get you into heaven. Being rich will not get you into heaven. Matter of fact, Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. So why are we trying to get rich? Why don't we just trust God to supply all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Nicodemus was an educated man. He knew the law. And you can be educated in the Bible and know all about the Bible, but that doesn't get you into heaven. Think about it. And so when Jesus says... You must be born again to see the kingdom of God, to enter the kingdom of God. This is perplexing to Nicodemus because he does not understand what Jesus is talking about. And so he begins to ask Jesus, how can someone that is old be born again? And then Jesus takes Nicodemus back and gives him a little history lesson. Look what he says there in verse 14. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now, what is he talking about here? He's taking Nicodemus back to Numbers chapter 21. And in Numbers chapter 21, this is something Nicodemus knows he's familiar with because he knows about the law. He knows about the history of, of the children of Israel. He knows about those things. And in Numbers 21, we see where God's people are in the wilderness. They're wandering. They're on their way to the promised land. And so they begin to murmur. They begin to complain to God, why are you bringing us out here just to die? We need water. We need food. Why don't we just go back into bondage? And so what does God do? God sends poisonous snakes to them, and everyone that is bitten by a poisonous snake begins to die. And so the people begin to pray. They, they ask Moses, pray to God that God will heal us. 
And so God tells Moses, I want you to make a bronze serpent and I want you to put it up on a pole. And for anyone that is bitten by a serpent, if you will simply look at that pole, you will live. And this is what Jesus is reminding Nicodemus of. Because if you go on to verse 15, he says this. He says, so that everyone who believes will in him will have eternal life. And so the same way the children of Israel in Numbers 21, if they would just simply look to that pole, if they would simply trust in what God said, he would heal them. It's the same way with us. If we want to have Zoe, if we want to have eternal life, you can't trust in your religion. You can't trust in your riches. You can't trust in your pedigree. The only thing you can do is put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done and what God said he would do, he would do, and then you will have Zoe because he says, we all know this, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal Zoe. That's how you get Zoe. You may have bios, you may have suke, but the only way you can get Zoe, eternal life, is through Jesus. Christ there's no other way except Jesus Christ so that's what Jesus is saying he's telling the disciples listen I'm about to go away but I want you to know I'm the way there's just one way it's me I'm the truth. I'm not a truth. He says, I am the truth. If you want to know what truth is, you look to me and he says, I am the life. I am salvation. Now, it's interesting because John uses the word life more than any gospel writer. And how do we know we have Zoe? Okay? How do we know, okay, that we have Zoe? This is not a hope so thing. You can know that you have eternal life. So let's do a little litmus test here, okay? Because John, in his first epistle, he writes about salvation and assurance of salvation, how you can know you're saved. So let's go through some scriptures, first and foremost, and you kind of examine yourself and see if you're in the faith, okay? Here we go. 1 John 2, 3 and 4. 1 John 2, 3 and 4. He says... By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That's verse 3. If we keep his commandments. Then he says, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Then verse three, chapter 3, verse 24 says, The one who keeps his commandments remains in him, and he in him. We know by this that he remains in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And so those who have Zoe, they keep the commands of God. Second thing. 
1 John 2, 9 and 10. He says, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who loves his brother and sister remains in the light and there is nothing in him to cause stumbling. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John 4.20 If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. So in other words, how do I know I'm saved? First, I keep his commandments. Second, I do not hate others, but I love others. If you hate someone because of their ethnicity, guess what? You don't know God, okay, because the Bible says you're a liar. How do we love others? It's not a natural thing that we do. It's because God's love by the Holy Spirit that he gives us causes us to love other people. Third thing, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so the third thing is this, those who are born of God, they don't love the world. They don't love the world. They love God instead of the world. The fourth thing is this, those who are born of God confess the Son and receive and have him. 1 John 2, 23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father, the one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he is in God. In other words, if you are saved, you're not ashamed to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Fifth thing, those who are born of God practice righteousness. 1 John 2.29 if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. See, when you're saved, there's going to be a change in your life. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead cannot live in you and there not be a change in you. You understand that? There's going to be a change in your life. If there's no change in your life, I don't know if you're saved. Because when you're saved, you're going to show some fruit that shows I am saved. It's more, listen, being saved is more than just saying a prayer and then going and doing what you want to do. When you're saved, there's a change that happens in your life. Also, those who are born of God don't make a practice of sinning. Look what he says in 1 John 3 and 6. He says, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins sees him or knows him. In other words, what he's saying there is this. And when you're born of God, you do not abide in sin. You don't practice sin. 1 John 3, 9 and 10 says it like this. No one who has been born of God practices sin. Listen, a doctor does what? They practice medicine, right? And so they study it, they apply it, 
They, they, they make that their life's goal, their life's aim. And what he says is, if you are saved, you do not practice sin. Because his seed abides in him, and, can, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. He says, by this, the children of God and the children of devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother and sister. Now, let me say it like this. Christians are not sinless, but they should sin less. You understand that? If you think you're sinless, you don't know the depravity of sin, how sin really is. Because you look at it like this. The first commandment is you've got to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's not 99.9%. That's 100%. And then you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. But a child of God, when they do sin, the Holy Spirit of God is going to bring conviction on their life. Come on now. And if you don't feel conviction when you sin, you need to check yourself. Okay? And make sure that you are a child of God. If you, listen, if your life does not consist of righteousness, you need to check yourself. Then he says, next one, those who are born of God possess the spirit of God, 1 John 4 and 6. He says, the one who knows God listens to us. We are from God who, who listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And so, let me back up for a second. The one who knows God, he says here, listens to us. Who's to us there? That's the apostles, okay? What did, what did God use the apostles to do? He used them to give the scriptures to us. This right here is not a buffet that you can pick and choose what you want to believe about it, okay? This is the word of God, all right? And so you got to live your life according to the word of God and nothing else. You may not like it. It may not be comfortable, but it is the word of God. If you're a child of God, you're going to submit yourself to the scriptures of God. Amen. Those who are born of God possess the spirit of God, 1 John 4, 13. By this we know that we remain in him and he in us. Why? Because he has given us his spirit. Then those who are born of God believe that Jesus is the Christ. First John 5 and 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child born of him. And so those who are born again, they believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the only way. He's the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He's the only way to get to heaven. And then the last thing he says about those that are born of God, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you have Zoe? Those who are born of God overcomes the world. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whoever has been born of God does what? Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It is our faith. Because you are saved, you know what? 
You are an overcomer. You overcome the world. It doesn't say that you'll never have any setbacks. It doesn't say you'll never have any problems. But what he does say this is when you are saved, you overcome the world. Why? Because you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. And greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And this is the question that you have got to come to the conclusion in your life. Do I have Zoe? Do I have the life that only God, am I saved? There's a song that came out in the late 70s that said two out of three ain't bad. And let me tell you something. Two out of three is not getting you there. You understand that? Bios won't get you there. Having a soul won't get you there. Every single one of us have two of those three. Every single one of us, we got two of the three. Only having Zoe, only having the life of God will get you into heaven. Only knowing Jesus Christ that he is the life will get you into heaven. Gatorade used to have a commercial that went that came out and their phrase was this, is it in you? And I'm asking you the same question today. Every single one of us here, we've got two of the three, but is Zoe in you? Is Jesus Christ living inside of you? And if he's living inside of you, there's going to be a change in your life. If he's living in Inside of you, you're going to submit yourself to his lordship. If he's living inside of you, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. If he is living inside of you, he is the life. He's the only life. He, you can only experience the abundant life when you put your faith and trust in him. And so that's what salvation is. Listen, salvation is deliverance. That means I'm delivered. Salvation is protection. That means I'm I'm protected. Salvation is being rescued. That's me. That's me. I have been rescued. Zoe is living inside of me. And if it is living inside of you, you've got a reason to praise him because he has given you eternal life and it cannot be taken away by this world or the devil. You are in the father's hands. And so to the universalist, Jesus would say, I'm the way. Because the universalist says there's many ways to heaven. But to the universalist, Jesus tells him, no, I'm the way. To the postmodernist, it says there is no absolute truth. Truth is what you make of it. Jesus says, no, I'm the truth. I'm the only truth. And to the hedonist, those that are always seeking for pleasure and want to know what the meaning of life is and trying to find how do you really start living, Jesus says, I am the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Glory be to God. Amen. And so the question again is, do you have life, Zoe, living inside of you? And if you do, 
Praise God, you are on your way to heaven. Praise God, you're saved. Praise God, you're delivered. Praise God, you're rescued. Praise God, we are protected by him. Glory be to God. Can we stand? Come on, be playing.